Welcome to the Super Daddy Club Podcast. I'm your host, Lando. Today, we're diving into a topic that's close to my heart. It all began a few months ago when I started researching male suicide. I was shocked to discover that the rate of male suicide is three times higher than that of women. But as I went deeper into my research, I stumbled upon another crucial topic, which was men not seeking help when they need it. Before we can discuss suicide prevention, we must understand why men hesitate to seek assistance in the first place. Reflecting on my own experience, last year was incredibly challenging. I was juggling multiple responsibilities from starting my second term at university to moving to a new home, all while expecting the birth of our new child. The stress level soared and it was only a matter of time before I broke down. I kept pushing through though silently as we men do very often. The question haunted me, why didn't I ask for help? My initial response was that I simply didn't have the time as everything always seemed to pile up simultaneously for me. But as I read more into the psychology behind it, I realized that there were more factors at play. To shed light on this issue, I turned to research by experts like Dr. Wheel, Dr. Courtney, and Dr. Addis who have extensively studied male suicide and help-seeking behavior. Their work led me to what is called the barrier to help-seeking scale, something that I believe they put together. And it is a tool designed to assess why men hesitate to seek professional help for mental and physical health issues. So as we explore this topic further, we'll go through this paper, and it's called Measurement of Men's Help-Seeking, Development and Evaluation of Barriers to Help-Seeking Scale. And I will be adding my own commentary as I go along. It's crucial to understand the reasons behind men's reluctance to seek help to address any other issues moving forward. This scale acknowledges that not only do men struggle with asking for help, but they also have difficulties recognizing the signs that indicate the need for assistance. This lack of awareness contributes to a gap in help-seeking behavior between men and women, and this disparity is rather significant as we will find out. Research has shown that men seek help less frequently than women for a wide range of issues, including substance abuse, mental health problems, and paradoxically, men also experience a higher rate of certain health conditions like heart disease, lung cancer, COPD, which is chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, and also alcoholism. These conditions, when we think about it, are exacerbated by stress, and stress itself can lead to increased smoking and alcohol consumption, which increases or at least like predisposes us or increases our risk to cancer and COPD and heart disease again. So it creates this really vicious cycle, I would say. Continuing our exploration of the factors influencing men's help-seeking behavior, let's focus on our attitude for a moment. Studies show that men tend to have more negative attitudes towards seeking help compared to women. This attitude barrier is deeply rooted in societal norms and also gender roles that emphasize independence, self-reliance, and emotional stoicism. Seeking help is often viewed as a sign of weakness making men less inclined to reach out when facing challenges. Contrary to popular belief, issues like the lack of health insurance and financial constraints cannot fully explain why men seek help less frequently than women. While these factors pose barriers to healthcare, they do not solely account for this gender disparity. Therefore, 
it's crucial we delve deeper into other underlying factors contributing to this discrepancy. One of the key factors is gender role socialization. Men and women acquire their behaviors and attitudes from the culture in which they live. Gender role socialization emphasizes that we adhere to traditional masculine roles, creating significant barriers to help seeking. This study also addresses gender role conflict. This is the impact of the restrictions of socialization on individuals. Gender role conflict is also associated with negative attitudes towards health-seeking and is known to increase symptoms of depression. The point here is rigid adherence to traditional masculine norms hinder men from seeking help. Contextual barriers and individual differences play a significant role as well. We learn in this paper that previous evaluation scales often fail to consider the contextual factors that influence men's help-seeking behavior, such as specific circumstances or individual differences. It's essential to acknowledge that men seek help in certain situations while avoiding it in others. Different thresholds exist in terms of what men are capable and willing to endure. Furthermore, they write, the perceived egocentrality of a problem and its deviation from societal norms affects a person's likelihood of seeking help. Individuals tend to avoid seeking help if they believe it threatens their self-image or make them appear abnormal. These psychological barriers contribute to men's reluctance to seek assistance. In summary, men's negative attitudes, societal norms, gender roles, and psychological barriers all play a role in inhibiting them from seeking professional help. I would add also non-professional help as well. Now, let's get into the five subscales of the barriers to help-seeking scale as they provide more context around their behaviors and attitudes, and I thought that might be helpful. The five subscales that were raised or identified are the need for control and self-reliance, minimizing problems and resignation, concrete barriers and distrust of caregivers, privacy and emotional control. When we go through the interpretation of these subscales, they expand on each one of them as follow. The first one, the need for control and self-reliance subscale reflects concerns with self-reliance and autonomy. They write, high scores on this subscale suggest that a man believes that seeking help from for the problem in question will threaten his autonomy or ability to function independently. A part of autonomy is what they termed reciprocity, where the inability to return a favor becomes a barrier itself. Now, the second one, minimizing problem and resignation. This is a conglomerate of problems that keep people from seeking help because they do not believe that the problem they're experiencing is serious enough. Another example will be not dealing with toenail fungus because that is perceived as being something that is not as serious or migraines because it's just a headache, but at worst, that could be a stroke. People in general, but men especially, often think healthcare providers would even agree with the idea that their concern is not as serious. The third one on our list, the Concrete barriers and distrust of caregiver subscales, which involve a lack of transportation, money, knowledge of resources, insurance, and such concrete matters. Most of us only go to the dentist when we have 
coverage. Otherwise, it is it is an expensive service. Also, a model of what would happen if we privatize healthcare services, I believe. In addition, homeless and poor people access healthcare services the most. Thus, it's always worse for them by orders of magnitude. The paper states, high score on this subscale indicate that the person is unlikely to seek help because he perceives numerous concrete barriers to doing so or he does not trust particular healthcare providers. The privacy subscale is about experiencing a sense of vulnerability towards addressing our issues. They explain the person is unlikely to seek help because he perceives that doing so could leave him physically or emotionally vulnerable. And there's lots of sensitive topics for men and just everyone has some that I can think of when it comes to this subscale itself. The last one on the list, the emotional control subscale is characterized by barriers that revolve around concerns with keeping one's emotions under control and out of public view. They write, high scores on the subscales indicate that the person is unlikely to seek help because he thinks that his or her ability to control their emotion might be threatened by doing so. Even after a diagnosis, some people will refrain from telling their families or close ones to spare them of the difficult emotions that ensue. If I can reflect on the situation that I introduced earlier with school and moving and welcoming a newborn and everything that went on last year, one significant factor that affected me deeply was the need for control and self-reliance. I've always tried to be in control of everything on my plate, and if additional burdens came my way, I would simply take them on without question. I often told myself that God won't give me anything that I can't handle. While this self-talk is motivating, it also led me to take on too much past what I could handle in certain situations. Perhaps the advice here is along the lines of too much of anything is bad for you, where a lack of control over aspects of our lives cannot be good. That will drive somebody insane. Self-reliance is a pillar to manhood. One day you'll have a family to provide, protect, and care for. That's what we were told growing up. And I don't think it was all that wrong for us to be raised that way. Thus, self-reliance is important. No one respects a man who can't provide for themselves. At the same time, the same way of thinking makes it hard for us to seek help when things are not going well. And if I can also think about minimizing problems and resignation and how it played a role in my reluctance to seek help, at one point I considered withdrawing from a class due to the workload. But my ego got in the way and it took me about three months three months to finally do so. I didn't want to admit that I couldn't handle everything that I took on. And this ego-driven reluctance may have hindered me from seeking assistance earlier. By seeking assistance, I mean reaching out to the appropriate authorities to remove myself from a class and decrease the workload. Now, I completed that semester with a 3.6 GPA, so I got through the school stuff rather fine. But the issue was at home where my relationship was taking a negative turn. I was needed, but weren't always there. So the next semester, I had to make the necessary correction and drop one class, which helped a ton. Regarding concrete barriers and distrust of caregivers, I had access to help through work and school, but I believe that even if I talked to a professional, I still had to manage everything on my own. 
the idea of seeking help fell secondary to the responsibilities I had to fulfill and everything else that I decided to take on. Privacy, on the other hand, wasn't a major issue for me as I openly discuss my issues on the show and with others. I can talk to random people about personal aspects of my life if it serves the conversation. However, when it came to vulnerability, my ego may have played a role. I didn't want to appear vulnerable, even to myself. And for the record, I'm not against the ego. It's an important part of us. The other element of emotional control and concealing emotion from others were significant barriers. Emotions are not my strong suit, and I certainly keep calm through a lot. I'm more logical and rather think through things. I did not so much feel a pressure to hide my emotion. It's just something that I do almost instinctively, especially when I'm struggling inside. In conclusion, Understanding the influence of these subscales on my behavior has led to a shift in my attitude toward health concerns. I started addressing health issues I had neglected for some time. By being aware of what motivates my behavior, I hope to take better care of myself and fulfill my responsibilities more effectively. Maybe if it's hard for us men to seek out help through institutions, the next best thing is to understand how we can help ourselves. I Learn to recognize how traits that make a strong man can be the cause of our inability to recognize when things are out of our control and over our heads. If not professional help, we should look at our support network at home and through our peers. I encourage you all to read this paper. It's Measurements of Man's Help-Seeking Development and Evaluation of Barriers to Help-Seeking Scale. It's a little bit lengthy, but very informative. Thank you all for tuning in and we'll see you on the next one. That was great. Yeah.